It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. You guys got to be a part of the show tonight, 876-1340. And Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter, taking your calls, taking your tweets. We have two hours of the best sports talk in Las Vegas. We are going 10 years strong here. Tom Barton also from Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, coming around the country near you. We have a lot to talk about tonight. Look, we're going to start it off. We have to dig into the NBA I have been adamant that the Warriors are not done. They were going to be fine before the year. They were going to be fine before the playoffs. Durant went down. I had no problem. All of a sudden, I'm starting to get worried. All of a sudden, I'm changing my turn. We'll find out, are the Warriors finished? Are the Bruins finished? We could touch on a little NHL as well. Also, some news and notes. Uh, look, reality is... Evan Durant is going to be looked at in a very different light. One way or the other, so is Steph Curry, so is Clay Thompson, so is this dynasty, one way or the other. And with all the talk about the Warriors, are we forgetting to talk about Kawhi? Are we forgetting to give the proper recognition to Toronto? So we'll touch on all that. I do have some baseball I want to talk about. One third of the season is in the books now, guys. I know it doesn't seem like it. A lot of people caught up with the basketball. You caught up with the NHL. One-third of the baseball season is in the books. Who your teams are right now, well, that's who your teams are. Who your players are, well, that's who your players are. Enough of this, well, you know what, slow start, or, well, it's a hot start, they can't continue. No, that this is the year that they are having. So we'll talk about some of that. And we even have some NFL to talk about. Contracts being given out, Tyreek Hill news, so we're going to try to get to all of it here in the next hour. Again, 876-1340, 876-1340. Let me welcome on Jose Vellante. Jose, how you doing tonight, my man? What's going on, Tommy, man? I'm so happy to be back on with you. Always a pleasure, always a fun time. I'm ready to get into this, man. Seriously, I'm ready. ton of stuff to talk about. Uh, the first thing I have to get into is let's talk some Warriors. And, and I'm not saying let's talk finals. I'm saying let's talk Warriors. One of the things I said on my show this week, and I am not a Warriors fan, guys, just reality. One of the things I said on my show this week, I said, we have now entered the area where an asterisk will be used. I am not telling you that I want it to be used. I'm not telling you uh, that you know it's something that I'm making excuses. But I'm telling you the reality of life. Here. And the reality of life, everybody out there, is that win or lose, Toronto will not get the credit historically that they should get. It doesn't matter. If they win this series, the talk will not be about Kawhi Leonard. It will not be about Toronto. 
it will only be about how the Warriors were not healthy, how the Warriors didn't have Durant, how the Warriors had Clay, Iguodala, Looney, all at left. And you know what? I'm kind of okay with that because that's reality. You're okay with that. It is reality at the end of the day, which sucks. That I mean, some people are not going to give this guy the credit that he deserves. If you see what Kawhi Leonard has done in this playoffs, not only the NBA Finals, in these playoffs alone, the guy has carried this team on his back. But he's also had other players that have stepped up in certain games. Obviously, not consistently, but they've stepped up in games where they need help. Look what Freddie Van Fleet did the other day. The kid lost a tooth. But yet, no one is talking about anything. Everyone is talking about the Golden State Warriors. All you hear is, it's not the same. Kevin Durant is out. Klay Thompson is hurt. Andre Iguodala isn't 100%. I don't want to hear any of that. You're supposed to be the greatest team in the world. You're supposed to be the greatest team in the whole NBA. But yet, you're getting simply out-coached, out-played, out-defensed, and you're falling asleep. The Golden State Warriors are just not ready for Toronto. Everybody was expecting Milwaukee to come in here. They were, they were ready for Milwaukee. They just didn't focus and weren't ready for Toronto. Jose, that's one of the most ridiculous takes I've ever heard. Come on, man. Come on. What me. do you mean? Come on. You're telling me they're out, Coach. They're missing their number one scorer. Their number that doesn't mean anything. Before they're KD, missing, before wait, KD wait, was there. Come on. Three, they are missing three of their top seven players. Two of the top three players. Let's talk about how the Lakers would have been if they were missing Magic and, and Jabbar. Let's talk about how the, the Celtics would have been without Mikhail and uh, Bird. Let's talk about how the Bulls would have been without Jordan and Pippen, right? You can't take two guys away. Right now, if I gave a poll out there, who's the best player in the NBA? It's going to be either LeBron or Durant. Right. Who is a top ten player? Every single list has Clay Thompson on. Anybody that knows basketball has Clay Thompson on a top 10 player. If not, you want to even argue semantics, maybe top 15. They are a top two missing two top 15 players. Not one, but both. They are also in a position where don't think that Kevin Looney's absence isn't entirely something. You want to tell me Looney's out with no excuse? Sure. You want to even tell me Durant's out? Look, they had to play with him last series. Sure. They can't get over the loss of Clay Thompson playing at the percentage he is with Durant being out. They haven't been outcoached. They haven't been outplayed. They're being outmanned. They don't have the bodies on, on the court. Toronto was a team I rode from the beginning. I sat on this station and told you guys they're going to the finals this year. But reality is reality. Toronto is playing a half of a Golden State team. That's what they're doing. And this story should be about how Golden State came in there and played with less of a team because there's nobody rational out there that believes that a healthy Kevin Durant and a healthy Thompson would lose to this bracket. So wait, you're, you're telling me, I'm not saying lose the NBA Finals, but you're telling me that there's no way that Toronto could be doing what they're doing right now even with Karen Durant in the lineup. Remember, this is a team that won NBA Finals and Championships without Kevin Durant. That's what I keep getting. It just it, it irritates me when people keep forgetting about what Golden State did before Kevin Durant was even there. And Kevin Lully, I'm sorry. That was a sorry take. He's just a big waste of body in there that does nothing. He's not doing anything for them at all. He's a walking waste of time. That's what he is. Him not being on the court doesn't mean got to fill three spots now. Three spots you have to fill. I get it. Now, let me, let, 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 me, let me kind of rephrase what I'm saying Last about, about Kawhi and Toronto. He's still a guy. He's still a body. 
And last guy on the bench doesn't matter if the rest of the team is healthy. But if you're missing, Iguodala's playing on one leg. Thompson is out. Durant is out. Rudy's out. That's four of your top seven guys. Four guys. How do you not give any seven. type of credit to Toronto? That's the thing. There's people no, that are no, saying... The, they shouldn't get any. And they how? Get how and do you give... No, so you're basically telling me that what Kawhi Leonard is doing is basically non-existent. It means nothing. What this Kawhi, team is doing Kawhi right is now means a, nothing. Kawhi's putting on a nice show against the half of the team. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Isn't it just... Come on now. It's. I just think it's time that teams that finally have caught up to Golden State. That's all it is. They Granted, haven't caught up, though. They haven't caught up. They blew through Portland without Durant. They, they haven't caught up at all. They blew through the Western Conference without Durant. The minute, And let me tell you this. They would have beaten this Toronto team without Durant. But they can't do it without Durant and no Clay. Okay, so where's your Clay so-called... Thompson is the most underrated player in this league. He's been the most underrated player in this league for a very long time. And defensively, you talk about Kawhi Leonard. And I like Kawhi. But I'm going on the aggressive here with against Kawhi. You tell me, well, Kawhi's had a great series. Who's guarding Kawhi? Because Durant was in there, he wouldn't be having this series. If Clay was healthy, he wouldn't be having this series. If Iguodala was healthy, the number one, two, and three guys that guard, that would guard in rotation, and we've seen it happen over the last couple of years, the number one, two, and three guys that would guard Kawhi Leonard in rotation are out of the game, out of the game, playing on one leg. So basically what you're saying, once again, no matter what Kawhi Leonard is doing, it means nothing. You have so-called the guy that calls himself the greatest defender in the NBA and Draymond Green, which can't even live up to his words. All this dude is speaks and speaks and speaks. I think it's great for the game. I think people need to just stop, give Toronto credit, and actually give this team credit for what they're doing. They're finally bringing down the team that nobody's been able to bring down, and they're making it look a lot more easy. I don't care if Kevin Durant is there or not. Like I said, this team won NBA Finals without him. There is no excuse for them not to be able to win without him again. That's all I'm saying. People are putting way too much Clay. on this KD thing. They did, wait a minute. They didn't win him without Clay. What's that? They didn't win him without Clay Thompson. I understand that. But what I'm saying is Clay is there. He may not be 100% because of what happened, but he's there. He even said he's oh, fine. It's just a matter of him getting back there. into yeah. his rhythm. He, or, he missed it. The pivotal game in the series, he was not there. He didn't, didn't play a minute in the most pivotal game of the series. And last night, look, he looked good on offense. He looked dreadful on defense. He looked absolutely lost on the defensive side of the ball. I don't know, Tommy. I just, I, it's hard for me not to give Toronto any credit. I'm sorry. I just, I know I keep, I keep harping on the same exact thing over and over again. But look at the way Toronto has played. Toronto has played unbelievable basketball. I don't care who's in or who's out. You but still have to bring it. You still have to play. You I'm still have to come out and play. Up You're up 3-1. Okay, I'm talking about leading up to this. Unbelievable how. You're Talk up 3-1 against series. a defending NBA champ that has been the best team in the league for the fast, last That's five years. They're missing their years. number one and three best players. They're not missing. They're missing their, their number one player. Let's be, let's be clear. Clay Thompson is not one game. One game. Okay. They've, they've been, they haven't had Durant for a longer wait, time wait, than wait that. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This one game that they lost in a seven-game series, and we've only played four, you don't think that that's a pivotal game? Now, they also won it with Draymond Green, right? Where is he? He's been non-existent. Oh, Draymond, I think we would all say he's having a bad series, but he's also the fourth-best player on the team. Now, would you say that Draymond is the most overrated player on this team? No, no. I think Draymond is a complimentary piece. I think Draymond Green 
is a much lesser version of a Dennis Rodman. So where has his game gone? The Bulls, if the Bulls lost Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, nobody would be asking, well, you know what, where, where is Dennis Rodman? No, we know. We know that Dennis, that Green is limited. He, he's actually statistically not having a bad series. He's putting together triple doubles every night, but he's not able to dominate. But that's not what you ask Green to do. Would you, if you're a Warriors fan, would you like him to step up? Of course. Of course. But he's giving you triple doubles almost every night. You can't say he had a bad series. You could say he just hasn't elevated himself to a point where they probably needed him to. If they were going to win this with missing their first and their third best players. They were going to win this series. Raymond had to play extraordinary. Here's Raymond this series. You can't tell me he's having a bad series. Let's give the numbers. Okay? Triple-double game one. 10, 10, and 10. Look, 10 points, you're going to need more than that, but triple-double game one. 17, 10, and 9. One assist away from a triple-double game two. 17, 7, and 4. Can't say that's a bad game in game three. 17 points, 7 rebounds, that's okay. And then 10, 9, and 12, a rebound away from a triple-double. He's one rebound and one assist away from three triple-doubles this series. You can't say Draymond's having a bad series. He just hasn't elevated himself to have a great series. So what does he have to do to elevate his game to get back to the way that we know he can play? I'm not, I'm not trying to talk bad about Draymond Green. I'm just going off of what he has been saying and what he hasn't lived up to. What does he have to do? And let's forget Kevin Durant for, for, for one second. Let's forget the injury that Clay says he does or does not have. What does this Golden State Warrior team really need to do in order to come back and win this series? Now, we're not going to say that there's no way. I had Golden State winning in sixth. Obviously, that's not going to happen. But... The Cavs were down 3-1. They came back and beat this team 3-1, you know, and came back and won the NBA Finals. It's only happened once, obviously, but it happened to them. Why can't they be the ones to rewrite history? And if so, what do they have to do to make that happen, Tommy? They got to play better defense. I mean, and that's just reality. And, and that's where you could look at Draymond. That's where you could stare at Draymond and say, you know, what's going on there? Because they have to play better defense. We know, here's the reality. We know that Steph Curry is somebody that you have to hide defensively. You've got to hide him defensively. Yeah, I, I'm a big Steph Curry fan. He doesn't play like a defense. That's a problem. Iguodala is someone that is playing hurt. So he's going to suffer on the defensive end. Draymond has to help out. Now, Draymond isn't going to play Kawhi one-on-one. It's just not the, their positioning. It's not the way they're going to do it. And now when Clay is hurt, you're hiding Curry and you're hiding Clay. You can't have... You know that the Raptors scored the most points by a road team in the finals since 1982? The Lakers did that? Wow. That is know ridiculous. That. That's ridiculous. And that's the defensive deficiencies. The only thing the Warriors can do to salvage game five, to salvage this series, is to go in there and to absolutely shoot lights out or to play some defense. And I think we realize playing some defense is probably not in the cards. They're going to have to go in there and shoot lights out. And when Steph Curry goes 47-8-7 and and they lose the game, I don't even know if shooting lights out can save them now. I think the series is over. I think the series is not only over for the entire course of the series. I think the series is completely over uh, Monday night. I don't think it gets any further. The Warriors are banged up. They're playing with a half a roster. Toronto's going to lift a trophy that in 10 years we're all going to look back and go, well, 
yeah, they listed it, but really, you know, the Warriors were all banged up. Now, obviously, there's going to be a lot of speculation, a lot of things going on at the end of the season. We all know that with Kevin Durant. It has been going on throughout the whole season. You have teams like New York that have the opportunity to do two max contracts. I'm hearing um, Brooklyn is probably in, in the running for that as well. The Clippers are trying to get some players. If the Golden State Warriors do not win this NBA Finals, which right now it does not seem like that's going to happen, What's going to happen at the end of the at the, at the end of the season? Is this more fuel for KD to say, "Hey, I got to stay here. I mean, I was hurt. I don't want to go out like this." Or at the end of the day, is he really just out and he's done? Uh, yeah, you know, we we've talked about this, Jose, and I can tell you that every source that I have that is close with the New York Knicks are, have told me KD's a Nick. You don't have to worry about it. It's one hundred percent. It's sold. It's sold. It's sold. I spoke to the people in Golden State. Have told me, you know what? Do not rule out Golden State. I'm getting conflicting reports. Before all finals took place, I was on the fence of he's 70% going to New York, he's 30% going to be a, a Golden State Warrior. If they lose, and they lose in the fashion that we're watching them lose, where it'll be a four to one, even a even a you know even a four to two, if they don't even get to a game seven without him. I believe that Durant stays. I'm in a position now where I've completely flipped. I thought he was going to be a Nick. I thought New York was going to be the place. But he wants a legacy. And I think that was always the problem. You just said they won without Durant. They won without Durant. That's what everyone would throw in Durant's face. But if they lose this year and he comes back next season and they just absolutely blow through everything, win the championship, he knows, okay, Golden State fans now know that I'm the guy. All of a sudden, this team that I've been boasting for weeks have been, this is Steph Curry's team and Durant's just playing on it, because I believe Steph and their healthy play can beat anybody in the league. But the optics will be different. The optics will be KD came back to save us. The optics will be KD is finally here. Wow, thank God we have him. And the optics will start to turn around to be, wow, they lost their only championship when KD wasn't there. You know, we have to remember, you know, what is driving KD leaving? Why would he leave a, a place like this? He wants the recognition. If the Golden State Warriors won, I don't think he comes back. If they lose, and they lose in this fashion, Jose, I think he definitely comes back. I think he comes back because he gets the legacy that he's striving for on a different team. And I agree with you about him wanting to be like, you know, the guy or be able to take over and, you know, have that legacy and have that story. You know, like I was the guy that took over this franchise. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He was the guy that could have took the franchise a lot farther when he was with the Thunder. Remember, you had Serge Ibaka. You had Westbrook with him. Obviously, I'm not saying Serge Ibaka is a great player or anything like that. I'm just saying James Harden. I mean, all these guys were on the same team. You could have already been that guy to create something. But you didn't do that. So for him to go to New York, why would he do that? At the end of the day, I think, I mean, obviously, I don't have the sources that you do, Tommy, but if they go out the way that they're going out, how could you leave? Me, myself, if I'm in his shoes, obviously I'm not. I'm not a ball player. I don't have that kind of money, obviously. But if I was in his shoes, there is no way at all that I let my team go out the way they did. And not only that, there's no way that I let my Golden State Warrior legacy end in this way i mean how could you let it end on an injury 
knowing that you wanted to be out there, but you can't come back, but then you're just going to dip out and go to New York and try to team up with another superstar. I just think that's a bad look overall. Don't you think, Tommy? You know, I'm going to take the devil's advocate side here. And not that I necessarily believe this, but I'm going, to, I'm going to play the devil's advocate. I'm going to play the other side here, Jose. This is the perfect time for him to leave. The perfect time. If he leaves, people go, oh, man, you know, that was Durant's team. They couldn't win without him. They remember him in the light of always winning. Golden State fans like him, even if he leaves. Why? Well, you brought a championship. Uh, the rest of the NBA look at him and say, well, those, were, those are your championships now. If he comes back, and they don't win the finals next year, then all of a sudden it's, oh, well, the Warriors were just on the downturn. It's still Curry's championships. It's not necessarily Durant's championships. It makes sense. That's the devil's advocate side, is that you leave now. You leave a hero. You leave what everybody wants. And you go to New York, and you don't win? Okay, not a problem. You take them there. You make the playoffs. You still have your championships in your back pocket that, People will go, well, you know, they might have had another one if KD was healthy. But you go back, and you all of a sudden don't deliver, and now the Warriors are going two, three years without a championship, all of a sudden the whispers are going to be there. Ah, you know, this was Clay's championship. I'm just giving you the devil's advocate side of why actually leaving after a loss and in this situation might work. I don't think he does it, but there is that mentality. So let me ask you one more question. Betting question here. Obviously, I know you're a betting man, so I got to throw it out to you. You know that, Tommy. If you are looking at this series and the way it's going with the injuries and the possibilities of players coming back and not coming back, do you sprinkle some money on Golden State to come back and win this this series here? Or do you just completely stay away from it and enjoy the rest of the finals? Completely and utterly stay away from it. Um, It's Toronto or nothing, and you're not getting any value with Toronto. And here's why I don't go near Golden. First of all, they have to win three straight. And if, if you're in a position of having to win three straight, I want plus 500 back, right, plus 600 back. You're not getting anywhere near that with this team. So if that's my objective, what I will turn around and do is if I really like the Warriors and I'm somebody that's going, you know, how can I capitalize on this? I think the Warriors come back. I think they make an epic, epic comeback. I think they win. But I'm just not getting – the numbers, here's how I play out the series. I'll take the Warriors, you know, plus whatever it is, 140 in game five, right? If you need it anyway. So I'll take the plus 140 there. Then game six comes, and it's going to be Golden State if they win. Probably about a pick them, maybe a one or a two-point favorite. You could take them for that. And then game seven, you could probably get Golden State as an underdog again. So there's no reason to take this when you're talking about moving all of a sudden money on the series, because you could take them in three straight games, and in three straight games, two of them, they'll probably be the underdog or very close to a pick You might as well make triple the money instead of just going for what we're looking at for the series. And that's why you're the betting man. That's why I ask you. That's the best way to explain it there. Why go for, why go for the home run when you can try to get some hits in between, right? Absolutely. You bet them tomorrow. Let's say you're going to bet $100 on them to win the series. You bet them tomorrow at plus 140. You bet 100 bucks. Boom, you're up 140. Take that, roll it over the next game. The worst you could do is still lose that original 100, but you could turn around. Okay, now I'm going to have them at 140. All of a sudden, now I'm up 250. Okay, now I'm up 250 going into game seven. Roll that 250 over. Now you won 500 instead of winning a little under 300. 
That's how you capitalize, and that's how you beat the books. All right, Jose, let's take a quick timeout. We'll come on back. I want to continue with just a couple of basketball questions. I want to touch on the NHL. Hour number two, we have baseball. Hour number two, we have the NFL. It's Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com and Sports Garden Network. Sitting in with Jose Volante here on Heat Wave Sports. We'll be back right here. Hit us up with your phone. Text FOX to 69187. Text FOX to 69187. to Heatwave Sports. All right, guys, welcome back to Heatwave Sports. Tom Barton, sitting in with Jose Vellante today. Jose and me, we, we don't plan to disagree. I, anybody that's listened to me and Tim over the years, we tell you all the time, we don't plan to agree all the time, and me and Jose do not plan to disagree. We've not talked about what we're going to discuss before the show through text message, I said, you know, a little NBA, we're going to talk to Rand. Didn't know we were going to be on the other side of the fence, but it makes for entertaining radio, guys. It is natural. It is there. We are having a little fun. I, I do have to say, over at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter, we have a, a listener. Golden State is riddled with injuries. The Raptors got very lucky this year. And one thing I will say, Jose, and I didn't read that to kind of rub it in. That <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I will say is that we are on completely different sides of, of the narrative that will be said. It looks like the person that wrote in um, is on a, a different side than you. But we all seem to be figuring it out that it's over, right? Yeah. I, I mean, what I'm, what I'm realizing here, at just talking to you and kind of – Putting words in your mouth, I want you to, to kind of jump in here where I'm done. But I, I can defend the narrative, but this is over. This series is done. There's no coming back from three-one. There's no Kevin Durant walking in on, on a horse and saving the day. There's none of that. And, and I don't believe I am hearing that a lot, even from Warrior fans. They're making excuses, as you were saying. They're making excuses and justifying things. I don't hear a lot of conversation that's saying, well, it's not over. Well, don't hold your horses. Hold on. Don't say that. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I don't hear any of that. All I hear is, well, you know what? It, 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 it's just a, you know, a reason for this and a reason for that. And here's the thing. But nobody seems to think, correct me if I'm wrong, that they're going to come back from this. I mean, how how would you think they're gonna come back? I totally understand why, why why people aren't talking about it, but it's funny that you bring that up because it's true. What happened to all these Golden State Warrior fans? That I'm sorry, before five years ago you can find one, but then you guys came out of the woodworks just like all the Patriot fans. But with that yeah, being Danny said, Banner was one. Was that exactly? But, but <laughs> what, what I'm what I'm saying is is where are you guys? I don't see any Warriors fans having any faith in this team. Even like you said, the delusional ones. The delusional ones aren't even coming out. Which is, it's, it's amazing to me that nobody honestly believes in this team whatsoever. I get it. I agree with you. Trust me. I think it's over. I don't see them coming back. It's going to take a whole lot from them for them to come back and win this series. Is there always going to be an asterisk next to Toronto? More than likely, people are always going to say that they didn't really beat Golden State. That Golden State probably beat themselves by not being 100% healthy and coming into this thing ready. 
But at the end of the day, if Toronto wins, they win. It's going to be over. But another thing I wanted to ask you too, Tommy, is this the end of the Golden State Warriors as we know it? I think it is because I think Durant could leave. Um, but, but I'm not sure because this could be fuel too. You have to look at who's still there. And, and I've said this, and we'll never know, but I believed before the series that Golden State was going to win the series, not because they didn't have Durant and, or, or they're a better team, but they play well when it's Curry and Thompson. Green, Rooney, Livingston, you know, Iguodala. When they are healthy, that team is good enough to win. That team is good enough to win championships. So I can't write that off, but I do think that Durant walks into the sunset. My question is, is Thompson on this team next year? You know, that is, to me, Thompson means more to this team than Durant. He's not a better player, but he just kind of fits the system a little bit better. So I'm not sure if this is the end. You know, I've heard other people say, you know, you have to win three, three in a row to be a dynasty. It's ridiculous. It's one of the worst takes I've heard in a very long time. Uh, Golden State Warriors are a dynasty, and they can continue the dynasty with a loss this year. You come back and you avenge this loss? Sure. I will say this to you, though, Jose. I'm going to make a, a bold statement here, but I don't think it's all that bold. If the Golden State Warriors win on Monday, I think they could win this series. Oh, right. And, and let me, say, let me ahead, explain why. If they win on Monday, however they win, Okay, I, I don't care if it's a close game, big game. I don't care if Durant comes back. I, I don't care about any of it. If they come back, if they win then, I don't see Toronto winning a game six in Golden State. After the momentum comes back, now I do think Durant does play in a game six. I said this entire series that I, I might see him limited minutes in game five. But now all of a sudden you're giving him almost an extra week to get ready. If he comes back, if they come back to Golden State for Game Six, I don't see Toronto winning in Golden State a Game Six. Thompson's a little healthier, Iguodala's a little healthier, Durant is on the court, and then you go a Game Seven in Toronto. And I respect Jurassic Park. I respect the things that that you do there. But is anybody think about it just from a betting perspective? Is anybody going to bet against the Golden State Warriors, who now have Durant back for? Two full games to incorporate him, who now have Clay Thompson an extra week to get healthy. Anybody betting against the Warriors in a game seven? No way. I'm I think ta- Toronto I- has to step on them on Monday, man. I do. No, 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 no way. I mean, I, 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 here's the thing. I agree with you. And there's no way in hell that no one's not going to bet this team if you have that situation there. I'll bet them. I'll be, I'll be 100% honest with you. I'm not going to even beat around the bush and lie to you about that. But. Going back to what we were talking about with, you know, Clay Thompson, and you even brought something up that I've been saying for years, system player. I don't see Clay Thompson going anywhere. If he goes anywhere, it's the end of his career, in my opinion. He's a, he's a good player, but he's a good fit for this system. He plays well alongside with, uh, with Steph Curry. He plays well alongside with Draymond Green. He has the system that fits him best. I just can't see him on another team being the guy or even being a second option for someone else i just i can't see that i think he stays in golden state i think for his career overall it's best for him but not only that if you listen to clay and the way he is and the way he has spoken to the media 
I just don't see that he wants to leave or he is going anywhere. Now, with the dynasty, I agree with you 100%. It's ridiculous to say that you have to win three championships in a row. What Golden State has done in the last five years is a dynasty in itself. They have basically brought something to basketball that has not been there since, I know you're probably going to disagree with me, the Lakers when they had Kobe and Shaq. Now, also, it, I just... It's tough. It's, it's, it's tough, Tommy, to, 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 to just see what this team is going to be next year. I'm so curious to know, and we're just, we're right there. We're right there, and it's just one more game. Once, the, once that game is played, if the season is over, then it's all hell's going to break loose because then all the speculation is going to start. What's going to happen with Golden State? Are they done? Are they not? Are they still going to be the so-called dynasty that we all keep calling them? I'll be honest with you. I still think they're going to be okay. Now, are they going to be the same exact team? Probably not, especially if Durant is gone. Well, with all the talk that we've been doing about the Warriors, we fell into the trap that we opened the show about, where it's Warriors, 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 because they are a more compelling stories. But let's talk about Toronto. I will tell okay. you this. I absolutely have heard this from a very, very, very reliable person. You make of it what you will. Remember, it's Canada. Okay? It's Canada. I've been up to Canada. I've been up to Seagulls. I was in over in Montreal. I used to go camping in Canada. I liked that. I was actually on the Vermont border. It was beautiful. I thought about maybe buying a lake house up in Canada. It was, you know, it's a nice little area. It's a little cold for my taste on July 4th. I was wearing a sweater, but... Tommy's adding a new new thing. He's a realtor now, guys, just so you know that. He's adding that to his list as well, to his titles. Yeah, well, well, here's why, Jose. (laughs) Let's go. Because I have it from a very good source. That Kawhi Leonard has bought land and bought property in Toronto. Interesting. Now, tell what, me more. I can't tell you what that means. I can't tell you if it's a lake house. I can't tell you if he just likes moose burgers up there and wants to come visit once in a while. I can't tell you that. But what I do know is that he did purchase property up in Toronto. Now, Toronto is a city. He didn't purchase this on the outside, on a nice lake side. He didn't do that up in Canada. He bought it in Toronto. With all the questions about where Durant will play, I think the bigger question is, where will Mr. Raptor, yep, he's stealing this from Vince Carter, where will Mr. Raptor play next year? I can't believe he could walk away from a championship team in the knowing all he has to do for the next five years. Number one, he gets paid $50 million more if he stays with Toronto. And he gets a fifth-year contract on a beaten-down, broken body. That's because that's the style that Leonard plays. That's number one. Number two, all he has to do is go through Giannis every year. Right now, the, the Lakers, I'm sorry, you know, they, they may not be what I like, but you still got to go through LeBron there. You still got to go through a good Denver team that almost had the number one overall seed. You still got to go through Steph and Clay at the very least. Still got to play Russell Westbrook in the way. A lot in the West that you have to go through. You got to go through this the dysfunctional Sixers. You got to go through a Celtics team that, that's losing Kawhi, uh, uh, Kyrie, I mean, and you have to go through Giannis, which you already did. I don't think he goes anywhere. The smart move, in my opinion, Tommy, I agree with you. I, I don't think he's going anywhere, but I think the smart move would be 100% for him to stay there. Think about what Toronto had before you got there. They had DeMar DeRozan. They basically flipped you guys. You came from a championship team where you won an MVP finals. Now you're in, in Toronto where they were right on the cusp 
of always being there, couldn't get past the hump, couldn't get past LeBron, but now you're proving to be that missing link. You're proving to be that championship caliber player that can have his own team. I don't know what happened in San Antonio. I'm shocked. I thought he would have stayed there. I mean, who wouldn't want to be coached by Pop? But that's a whole other story and a whole other show there. But he has to stay in Toronto. There is no other place for him to go, in my opinion. Toronto is set for him overall. Kyle Lowry's still going to be there for a little bit. You got Siakam, which is a young player. Serge Ibaka's a little bit older. He's on the way out. But overall, where are you going to go? You're, you're right. You're not going to go to the West. LeBron is on the downfall, but still, he's still LeBron James. Who knows what the Lakers are going to do next year? I just don't see him being a better fit than anywhere else than in Toronto. Just look at what he's done this year, he, and he's done it quietly. He's not the type of player that runs his mouth. He's not the type of player that's out there for the spotlight. He even said it the other day after the game. He said, I'm not here to play hero ball. I'm not here for the fans, which was kind of shocking to me that he said that part. But he said, I'm just here to win. I don't care about the numbers or what the scoreboard says. As long as we win and we win at the end of the day, that's all I care about. That is yeah. the type of guy that you want on your team to be your leader and i don't care what toronto has to do they better lay out the red carpet and give them the keys to the whole city but they better find a way to keep this kid there well that's what i was just going to say to you i mean i think toronto's already done that they've already kind of planted their flag and said listen Kawhi, you, you're gonna you're gonna be mr everything here uh, i went on a limb and said a couple weeks ago on my show at sportsgarden.com i said he'll be the most famous athlete in Canada, and yeah, I'm including hockey. Uh, not Canadian-born, just athlete in Canada. Why? Because you have a lot of different Canadian hockey teams. You've got only one basketball team, and he's captivated that city. He's captivated that country in a way that very few ever have. I mean, you could say maybe Vince Carter, but this is a championship on the horizon, and a championship where we talked about the asterisk, Nobody cares about that. A championship where you beat the Warriors. You went through the MVP and a dynasty to get it done. And who do you see them trying to pick up next year? Do you see Toronto trying to redo anything with their actual lineup or the starters? Do you see them being active in free agency at all? Or does that have to stay on hold until they actually see what's going to happen with Kawhi? No, I don't think they do much because I, believe, I think that they believe um, for years, I think that they have believed that Lowry is the number two. And now they're realizing that Siakam is really going to be that number two guy. This kid is massively impressive. And I think that they're saying, okay, maybe Lowry couldn't be a two on a championship team, but he's clearly a three. And if we have a one, two, three, we feel good. Guys like Gasol are extra added bonuses. Guy, you know, guys like Green are extra added bonuses to that team. And maybe they tinker a little bit here or there. But Kawhi being your one, yeah, they're, they're set. Yakum developing into a two and Lowry being the three all of a sudden takes them from a very good team to a championship team. And I think that they've liked what they've watched in Siakam enough this year to say, yeah, we're going to stick with this guy. So let me ask you a question about Kyle Lowry real quick. I'm not a huge Kyle Lowry fan, but we know he's getting up there in age. He's not overall the player that he has been, in my opinion. But you have a guy like Freddie Van Fleet hanging out in the background playing the way he's playing, quietly getting his minutes in there. This guy could possibly be less for you to keep than keeping Kyle Lowry in the long run. What do you see their plans being for Freddie Van Fleet? Are we going to see this kid getting more playing time coming next season? 
could he possibly be starting some more games over Kyle Lowry? I like his game. I like what he did in Wichita State, and I really like his hustle and how he's playing with Toronto. Do you think that possibly Freddie can be that next man up that could possibly take over that point guard position? I mean, yeah, he can be, but we've only seen him in drips and drafts. Say what you want about Lowry. I have been really hard on Lowry over the years. Oh, so have I. We, we know what Toronto believes in him because last year at this time, DeRozan and Lowry were 1-2. You couldn't separate the two of them. They were both basically the same player. They were, it was a nail-biter between who was going to be where. And Toronto turned around and shopped DeRozan. They didn't shop Lowry. They made their choice. Now that you could argue, well, maybe DeRozan had a little bit more value. I'm not sure I believe that. They shopped the guy that they didn't want to build their team around. They wanted to build their team around Kyle Lowry. They thought he could be the number two. And I think he's proven that he can be effective if you just don't expect too much from him. You you used Clay Thompson earlier uh, as somebody to talk about as, okay, who is Clay Thompson? role player uh, or a good player on a on a basis of the way that they run things in Golden State. He's a system guy. Well, I don't necessarily believe in, in all of that. I see where you're going with that. Kyle Lowry is that guy. They don't ask Clay to be the guy. They don't ask Clay to be the one. They don't ask him to be the two. Even when Durant wasn't in there, he was kind of the three at times as well. That's what Lowry needs to be. If you have a good game, Great, you could carry us as a two. If you have a bad game, we're only asking you to give us, you know, ten points, you know, six boards and, and you know, five assists. That's all we're asking for you from from Kyle Lowry. Now, if you put up a game where you hit eighteen or twenty, well, that's even more great for us. But Siakam's got to become the guy, and I think once you knock that down in the order, and Lowry becomes the three, sure, Van Fleet could get more minutes. Uh, he probably deserves more minutes. But I don't think it's necessary. We're talking about down the road. If you have a healthy Kawhi and you have Siakam elevating his game like this, guys like Lowry and Sam Fleet, they're just added bonuses to a championship product team. So you actually see Siakam being a big part of this team moving forward. You don't just think that the games that he's have have been spurt games and not too consistent there. You honestly think that he could be a good piece moving forward with this team. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just getting your opinion because he he was really, really good in that game one. And a lot of people thought we weren't going to see the same. Granted, we haven't seen that game one again, but he's still been really good in this NBA Finals. What do you like so much about Siakam's game that you think he could be a big piece moving forward? Because you said he could possibly be that third option on this team. He passes the eye test for me. You know, I, I didn't like this guy before the playoffs. Um, I thought he was lost a lot out of position often. I didn't believe that Siakam was going to be this player. I watched every game of the playoffs that Toronto's played. Obviously, I had a lot of financial money you know, on it. I took him <laughs> to win the East. And all I watch is pure hustle from a kid that needs shining around the edges. He needs coaching, and he needs, uh, you know, he can't be considered the guy. But what I've watched the entire, entire postseason is a guy that's in the right position, and if he's not in the right position, he hustles to get in there. He's a big guy that doesn't play big. He plays aggressive. And I think if you are, you know, Jose, in any sport, if you have the desire and the want, 
and getting that coaching on the elite level is all that's separating you from greatness. Yeah, I, I think that he is right there. Now, do I ever think that Siakam is going to be a guy that could lead a team? No, I don't think so. But I don't think he ever has to be. You know, he's one of those know-your-role type of players. You are a number three more than likely, but we're going to ask you to be a number two. Being a number two with Kawhi, can he can make you the number two. Be aggressive. Be, uh, you know, go after it and be you. And I've watched that over this postseason. His aggressiveness. And his willingness to just say, hey, I'm going to go with the game flow, I think that's a positive, not the negative. I know sometimes you get that caught up with the younger players. And here's a funny note. Our buddy Chris Wynn chimed in on Twitter here. Uh, not that it means much, but Pat McCall, if you guys know him out here, ex-UNOV player, did play with Golden State, has a ring. Looks like he might get another one here with Toronto because he is on their roster there, which is pretty crazy as well. Oh, geez, yeah. <laughs> I saw that, that Pat McCall was saying, you know, that one of the biggest mistakes was leaving Golden State. I guess not so much anymore. He did lose out on a lot of money, but... Uh, At least you're going to get another uh, ring there. Yeah, he will get another <laughs> ring. You and all of you guys just uh, don't do much in the play, in, in, in the pros for good reason. Uh, they, they come into this city as highly recruited. Oh, Dave Rice got another one. And then you have talking heads and, and newspaper writers that say, Oh, yeah, this guy's going to be great. First round pick. Oh, it's going to be awesome. And you have the realists that go, no, they're going to be garbage. And they fizzle out. And Pat McClaw, uh wearing two rings is going to be a guy that gets to at least say, I might not be good in the pros, but I got two of these babies. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. That's probably going to be the only thing he's going to be able to talk about his NBA career is the fact that he's got those rings, man, but didn't really do much to get them. Two more rings than John Stockton and Carl Malone put together, right? Jeez, that's crazy. <laughs> How about two more rings than Charles Barkley? There you go. Then Charles that's Barkley, jeez, I know. That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you could go down the list, right? It's amazing how many great players we've had in the NBA in this game that you can literally go, how did he not win an NBA championship? It's just crazy. Yeah, well, usually there's a guy standing in front of them. You know, Patrick Ewing had uh, Michael Jordan. Mm-hmm. Think about the think about the championships that Olajuwon and Ewing would have given us if without a Michael Jordan in the world. Think about the the battles between the centers that we would have had with those two. Mm. Not those two alone, if Michael Jordan didn't exist, yeah, he had to come and ruin all the fun. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined it for everybody. Ruined it for everyone. So what we got next, all Tommy? Right. What are we gonna talk about? Jose, we got to touch on a little bit of the NHL. I said Boston was finished. If they lost last game, I'm getting a lot of pushback from Boston fans. Look, I took them to win in Game 7, and I think if they go back to Boston, they will win, but I don't think that they could go into St. Louis. The way that this kid Binnington is playing is fantastic. We've got to talk about that. I have a little bit of baseball news, and i got to get a lot off my chest about the contract signing of Carson Wentz, of course, but Tyreek Hill, this piece of garbage. Oh, I'm ready. Oh, we're going to get into him. We're going to get into him next hour. Guys, want to hear from you guys. 876-1340. That is 876-1340. Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. You want to be a part of it. It's Tom Barton from Sports Garden Network and TomBartonSports.com here with Jose Vellante. Hour number two coming up right after this. All right, guys, welcome back. Hour number two here on Heat Wave Sports. 
Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com, sitting in with Jose Velante. We did all NBA Hour 1. i got to touch on a little bit of NHL. Coming up tomorrow, I think it's over. I think it's over. Look, I, I hope Boston it's done. Before the series began, I said Boston in seven. I just did not expect Bennington to look this ridiculously good. And I get it. He only, he's only facing 20, 25 shots, so a lot of it is St. Louis' defense. Um, I just this. Boston just looked out of sorts. Now, I will say this. This is a Las Vegas uh, kind of guided experiment here. Because Las Vegas fans were very, very upset about bad calls that they had, and particularly one bad call against the Sharks. And they, well, it's going to be written in the record books. I heard one person say, well, they'll always remember, hockey will always remember how Vegas got screwed, and it's a couple weeks later and nobody remembers anything, right? Because that's how it goes when you get a bad call. But this is the Stanley Cup Finals, and Bruins fans have a lot of reason to whine and complain. They had massively bad calls. One tripping call was one of the most ridiculous calls that I've ever seen. With that said, now remember, I took the Bruins here. With that said, I told the Bruins fans the same thing I told Las Vegas fans. Get over it. Deal. You got to deal with it, man. You know, that's it. You get bad calls, and some of them are, are ridiculous calls, and it may have cost them the Stanley Cup championship. But you got two games left here, right? You've got an opportunity to go out there and still make things right. As bad as that call was, I don't think there's any question that St. Louis has played the better series. There was one game, the one game with Bennington was pulled, he let up seven goals, just completely fell apart. There was one game that Boston played better. That's it. To me, this series has been all about Bennington, all about St. Louis, and St. Louis's defense. I don't want to just keep saying him. Araska's played well, but it's all been St. Louis. And I can't believe that this Bruins team, as much as I like them, and I'm sort of rooting for them, I can't believe that Boston has enough to go into St. Louis, a place where they haven't even had a Stanley Cup championship opportunity in 48 years, to go in there in a game six, against this defense and against this ridiculous goalie. I can't see them doing it. I think the series is over. I'm glad we're not going to talk about hockey that much because, to be honest with you, everybody in Vegas has talked way too much about it already, and it's starting to get old, man. Like Brian likes to say, you're putting a freaking bandit over a bullet hole. Just let it go already. Like you've been saying, let it go, let it go, let it go. I hope St. Louis wins and gets it over with, but here's what sucks. That even after they win, we're not going to stop hearing from the damn Golden Knights fans. Oh, they won this for us. Oh, it feels like we won it. I guarantee you that's all we're going to hear. No. Shut up. You guys did not win it. The, if, if the Blues do, which they really have a chance tomorrow, it's going to be said, Jose. That, come on, have you not been? Have do you not go on Facebook to see some of these Vegas Golden Knights clicks group? Some of these people are still delusional. They still think <laughs> that the Golden Knights are in the playoffs. They still think that the Golden Knights are playing. People, David Perron does not play for the Golden Knights anymore. He plays for the St. Louis Blues. With that being said, let it go. 
I want to see this series to be over. I'm sick and tired of hearing everybody talking about it. The only thing that honestly is pretty cool about this series is that one better that has a $100,000 ticket that won't hedge. To me, that's a way better story because I'm sick and tired of hearing about everything else. Bing and Ting got pulled early, but look, he's been lights out ever since. So yes, the St. Louis Blues and their story and what they're doing and how they're playing means more and is way more important. So Golden Knights fans, remember, the season is over. Your season starts next year, so let it go. Jose, let, let, let's talk about that term because uh, I ripped him apart at SportsGarden.com, and I, I really don't have a fight in this. Like I said, I, I didn't even put money on it. I had I shit Boston in seven, but I didn't put money on it. Um, I want him to lose, and I want him to lose terribly. <laughs> I want why? him to lose everything, and here's why. And I went on a rant. And I got a little backlash. How can you root again? Listen, normally I root for the small guy that takes out the casino all the time. I'm a better myself, mm-hmm. right? I want, I'm rooting for that guy. I want this guy to lose because I root against stupidity. <laughs> and that's what I do. If you're stupid and you should have, you know, listen, the kid that eats the most crayons just doesn't make it kind of situation. <laughs> this guy's an idiot. And he, he wrote in his quote, you know, my father, I think he said my father and my my. My uncle or my father or my brother called me an idiot. Well, you are an idiot. This is one of the dumbest, most moronic, idiotic men that I've ever sort of read about or encountered. And let me explain why. He refuses to hedge. This is not, and sports betting, ladies and gentlemen, is not about how big your guts are, we'll say, right? Yeah. It's, it's not about pride. It's not about showing off that cool ticket that, look, I knew more than you. It's about straight cash, right? That's it. Mm-hmm. And he had an opportunity multiple times to make way more money than what he had and guarantee himself wins. He, him digging his feet in and saying, I won't hedge, is for publicity. That's all it is. He could have taken his $48,000 before game three that he was offered Take that $48,000, put it every game that we just talked about in the NBA, right, even tomorrow, St. Louis is only minus 110. Take $10,000, put it in your pocket, take bet $10,000 on every single game, he still would have made your hundred grand. He has a bid up right now for $75,000, okay? On prop swap, I believe. You could have taken fifty, (laughs) put it in your pocket, bet $25,000 on the next game. Straight up, here you go, $25,000 with then game seven, if you need to, there are ways that he could have not only made more money, but negated the risk. And you could say out there, well, it's only $400 ticket. I get it. I want him to lose. I want him to lose bad because I root against stupidity, Jose. <laughs> And, and I'm with you. Normally, I'm, I'm, I used to work in a book, so I'm the same way. At the end of the day, you're a better. You want the book to lose. You want to go against the book. That's how you make your money. But I agree. If I'm this guy, I take, I take my winnings and I'm out. Why even wait to try to get the 100 grand? I get it. I totally get it. But to quote one of the things that he did say, he goes, I might be the captain of the Titanic that goes down, but I'll still be a hero. How the hell are you going to be a hero if this gets turned around and Boston comes back and wins this and you lose your ticket and don't get a dime? That is literally the dumbest thing that I have ever heard. I agree with you, Tommy. This guy should take the money and run, and he's not going to. And this will probably be the first time that I won't be shocked or like, oh, that's messed up if someone does lose a ticket like this. If he loses, he deserves to lose that ticket. 
Well, I will say this just for you betters out there, and this is how you would approach this. There's 0% chance I would take the $75,000 right now because all he's got to do is win next game. Now, if they lose, okay, his number for uh, you know, the, the final ticket is going to be somewhat lower. I, I mean, it's not going to be 75000 Somebody will probably bid. I'll, I'll take a shot and say twenty five grand or so or you know, something along those lines. Somebody's going to bid decently. And, and in Game 7, you better hedge. I don't care who you are. If it gets to a Game 7 in Boston, you had better hedge. So he's put himself into a spot where at, before Game 3 is when it was the most ideal to do it. Actually, after Game 1 was the greatest time to hedge your bet because you could have just bet St. Louis every single game and still walked away with money no matter what happens. But after Game 1, he didn't bet. He should have. After Game 3, he should have bet. He didn't. And now we're sitting here Game 6. Now is not the time to do it. Now I wouldn't take the 75 grand at all because all you got to do is win one of the next two. But if it goes back to Boston and you're looking at a Game 7 in Beantown with $100,000, you had better hedge. This is just, that would just be pure stupidity. And guess what? I don't think we're getting him to hedge. <laughs> I don't see it happening either, Tommy. Uh, Chris, Chris Wynn just wrote in, and he said, uh, watch them go to overtime in Boston. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That would be a, that would be a storytelling ending there for that guy for sure. I don't think that's what he wants to see. <laughs> no, I don't. I definitely don't think so. And, you know, it, it's not like uh, like one of these guys. Somebody bet $190,000 on the minus-190 Warriors the other night. If you have uh, $190,000 to lose, I don't feel bad for you, okay? Uh, it is what well, it what is. What are you trying to but win? Three, four hundred bucks? bucks? I mean, come on. Four hundred bucks? Come on. It, it's stupidity. Pure stupidity. All right, so that's the hockey talk. <laughs> Done. Let's, let's move uh, on. <laughs> let's, before we get into a little bit of baseball, I want to talk a little football. Uh, you know, we always try to throw a little football in, and I want to talk to you about Carson Wentz. Okay. Because Carson Wentz signs a, a four-year extension here, and I've I'm pretty close with people in Atlantic City, and that's Philadelphia Eagles country. And my timeline was filled up with two very different reactions. Reaction one, the sensible reaction of, why did we do this? Um, it wasn't needed. He's still under control. We should have you know, seen if he is healthy. Then reaction number two of, great job, outstanding. You know, got to lock this guy up. He's the future of our franchise. He's in everything else. So I'm going to give you both sides of the argument here. I want you to tell me where you lie here, Jose, because you have side number one that says you have the franchise quarterback. You went all in. The minute you traded Nick Foles, you went all in on him. You're showing your team a commitment. You now have him. If you added four years, you have him for two more. You now have him for six more years. You have a very young club that's built around him, a young offense that is built around him. In year three, coming off of a broken back and coming off of ACL last year, he had the highest completion percentage of anyone in year three of their entire career. He is shown to be an MVP-level elite talent, and you're paying him now, giving him a little bit of loyalty back, and you before the market gets set with Dak Prescott, who Dallas is going to have to sign. That's one side of the argument. Here's the other side. You have a broken-down quarterback that is not exactly young. He's 26 years old, okay? It's young, but it's not 21, right? He's 26 years old. In the 
years that he's been with you, he's had a broken hand, uh, a bad forearm, a broken back, an ACL. He's had a multiple number of injuries. He hasn't been able to complete a year for you. You won a Super Bowl where, during the playoffs, he was not able to suit up. He is a massive talent, but he's also somebody where, last year, you are kind of questioning if we should even start this player. He's a massively injured player that you just gave a $100 million guaranteed money to. When maybe it wasn't necessary to do, you had him on the contract for two more years. Jose, where do you stand? Smart or dumb by Philadelphia to extend him at this point? Well, whether we approve the deal or not, Tommy, the fact remains that Wentz is going to be the starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. We know that. This contract tells you that. Now, with the injuries he's that he's had, had with, of course, but with the injuries that he has had, and the fact that he is technically, like you said, not a younger guy. He is 26 years old. You still had this guy under contract, but yet you don't really know what he has going to give you moving forward. The injuries do scare me. I think the money is a lot, especially when you give this guy $107, $107 million, I believe, guaranteed. And 66 of that is basically guaranteed at signing. That, that's just too much for me. I understand that the season he had was great, the Super Bowl season. But when it came down to it, he wasn't there. He wasn't the guy that did win the Super Bowl for you at the end. And then you got rid of that guy. It's tough for me to foresee Carson Wentz being the guy overall with this payment. I think it's too much money. You should have took a chance, possibly not now, maybe later after this season. But you haven't had one more good full season of Carson Wentz since that injury. So until you see him back on the field and playing and making sure, hey, this guy is back to 100% to what we can see, to the quarterback that we know can come out and play the way he played the Super Bowl year, I think it's too soon. I think they jumped the gun, Tommy. I really do. Well, I completely agree with you. I don't mind the optics of it. I don't mind. And I saw this coming, and I said, yeah, you have to. You have to sign him for the four years. You have to extend him. You have to put faith in him. You have to tell your fans we have full confidence in him. I believe in all of that. I think signing him through the four-year deal, no problem. I think signing him, I don't believe any of that is wrong. The $100 million guarantee was stupid. You can sign a, a, a guy for 10 years. It, it, this is the NFL, no guaranteed contracts. Sign him to a $20,000 signing but to guarantee a guy that is coming off of an ACL injury and a broken back is to sign him to a $100 million deal, you have either just elevated yourself or crippled your franchise. Yes, you could have crippled this franchise. We're talking about the age, and so many guys are out there, you know, sitting around scratching their beer bellies going, I, I, I felt great when I was 26. Yeah, you did. But 26 years old for a starting quarterback – when you just extended him now four more years, brings him to his year 33 season. He'll be 33 when that contract finally um, That all of a sudden is in a dangerous realm. You found a gem in Carson Wentz, but you had two years left on the contract. I don't want to call it a mistake because the years are okay, but you nailed it right on the head, Jose. This 107 guarantee was a giant mistake. And check this out. When we're talking about players and especially quarterbacks getting the money, Tommy, the one thing that we have to think about now, what does this mean for Jared Goff and what does this mean for Dak Prescott? Go back to 2016, coming all the way up to April 2019. 
You have Andrew Luck making $24.6 million. What has he done? Nothing. Derek Carr, June 2017, making $25 million, hasn't done anything. Stafford, $27 million, hasn't done a thing. Jimmy Garoppolo signed his contract, 27 and a half, gets hurt, done for the season. Kirk Cousin, huge waste of money, in my opinion, for him to go to Minnesota, $28 million. Matt Ryan, okay, he made the Super Bowl. He's got an MVP under his belt. Aaron Rodgers and then Russell Wilson, the only two guys to win a Super Bowl, and they're at over $33 million a year. Those are the only guys that actually deserve that money. How are we giving? Well, Aaron Rodgers doesn't deserve a penny. Yeah, I know you don't like Aaron Rodgers, but we're not going to get into that. He doesn't. He didn't deserve a raise. How do you give a raise? Let's talk about injured but guys. I know. I'm just talking he's about what they've done in yeah, their career. He won a, a fluke Super Bowl, and now he's <laughs> crippled his. his oh, I love talking to Aaron Rodgers. The only guy that I agree that deserves the money is Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson Russell got it at the right that time. Money, no, no, no I, and I agree because Russell Wilson has done a lot with those smaller contracts, and he's given that organization a lot. So if out of that list, I agree with you. Russell Wilson deserves that money more than anybody on that list. But does this honestly mean that J- Jared Goff and Dak Prescott are going to get paid now because of this contract? Yes. Yeah. I think Dak Prescott is going to get a ridiculous contract that he does not deserve. And I don't believe that Jared Goff deserves the contract that he's going to get. But guess what? The numbers and the results are probably going to go against my feeling. Uh, you know, both of those guys are going to get massively paid. And, and it's such a league now where you have to win with a rookie contract. You've got to win when these guys are under the rookie contract. Uh, and you've got to win now because once the quarterbacks get paid, we have watched year after year. These quarterbacks get paid. Their team goes into the tank. Drew Brees even did it. We all love Drew Brees. I can't say a bad thing about Drew Brees. Drew Brees basically admitted to it. He wanted his money. He got paid. The team went down. The only team that doesn't go down is Tom Brady because he defers his money. He goes, yeah, I don't care. I don't need it now. Don't worry about it. I don't need the money because that doesn't define me. guy like Aaron Rodgers says, I'm the, I think I'm the best in the game. Give me all my money. Uh, okay, but you're going to hurt the team. Don't care about the team. Give me my money. Tom Brady is the only one that defers the money. Like him or not, that's reality, and that's why the Patriots keep winning. You've got to win in that window where the quarterback is very young. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you got to understand, though, everybody's persona and the way they play and the way they think about the game is completely different. Aaron Rodgers, obviously, you don't like him. His mindset, he believes he's the greatest quarterback on the field in the league, so that's why he wants to get that money. I get it. Tom Brady different mindset i'm not a patriots fan i'm a jets fan you know that but at the end of the day you have to give respect where respect is doing yes tom brady has shown that he's doing it the right way tom brady's making money regardless he's got his contracts he's got his endorsement deals he's not worried about the team paying him he's, he's worried got about a rich wife of course and exactly he's got a rich wife he's gonna he's set for the rest of his life he doesn't have to worry about it some of these guys as crazy as it sounds yes i'm saying this need to take a page out of tom brady's book it's not always about the money. It's always about what's better for the team. You can get your money in the long run, but do what's best for the team now if you want more success. And that's the problem, Tommy. Sports in general have all obviously always been a business, but have become more of a business now. All these guys don't really care about the sport the way they used to. Back in the days, it was a lot more different. Now, these college players are showing way more heart and way more soul because they want to get there to make this money, and the guys that are already there aren't doing that. So it's a shame, man. All right, let's go to one more NFL piece of news, and and I hope you strap on your big boy boots for this conversation because you're going to need it. Ladies and gentlemen, Tyree Kill, one of the biggest pieces of garbage that's walking the face of the earth, it will not face criminal charges. He will not face that came out, and they have said 
It should be at OTAs in a couple of weeks. Now, let me just explain this to everybody out there. For those that don't know the story, Tyreek Hill you know, beat up his three-year-old son and threatened his girlfriend. His girlfriend, he's already beat her up, uh, allegedly, we'll say. In the past, uh, Tyreek Hill is on tape telling his girlfriend, fiance, whatever she is, to that him, her, and his three-year-old son should fear him. That we, we've all heard explicitly. But the police were unable, in Johnson County, were unable to bring criminal charges. Now, let me explain this very carefully. That does not mean that Tyreek Hill did not do what they said he did. It just means they weren't able to bring charges. Whether that be the girlfriend saying, you know what, I don't want to press charges. We don't know. Whether that be them saying, we don't have enough evidence. We don't know. Hey, maybe they said, you know what, he didn't do it. But we don't know. What we do know is that he won't face charges. Now, I do believe he will be suspended, Jose. Roger Goodell takes a long time with suspensions, and he doesn't need evidence. He has ruled with an iron fist. He has suspended players like Ezekiel Elliott without evidence. He has suspended people all over the league. The reason why this is so important for us and for this conversation is because the Kansas City Chiefs are the Super Bowl favorites. We're talking about them having to win and players and teams nowadays having to win under a rookie contract. Patrick Mahomes has that rookie contract. And outside of Pat Mahomes, you can argue that Tyreek Hill is the most important player on that team. And I think that's a very good argument. I think that he's going to get suspended. The longer this plays out, the worse it is for the Chiefs. If you said to the Chiefs right now, look, you're not going to have Tyreek for the first four games, you can look at it. But if all of a sudden the suspension comes down in midseason or late in the season, he's not there for the playoffs or, or a playoff push or a late run, this is going to impact them differently. I hope they throw him out of the league and he never gets to play again. That's not going to happen. I hope he's suspended for the entire year. Teach this piece of garbage a lesson. By the way, piece of garbage also punched his girlfriend and threw her down the stairs, allegedly, we'll say, in college. Okay, so it's, it's a litany of this. But it's not going to happen. I do believe he gets a four- to six-game suspension, and I'm hoping that it crushes Kansas City. And Goodell does waste his time, does drag his feet, and it happens in the middle of the year. That's my take in Tyreek, man. I'm hoping Goodell does that. I fear, though, that we're going to watch a slap on the wrist at best. All right, Tommy. So you brought up a very uh, 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 a topic here that if you, guys, if you guys know me out there and you guys have known me for a long time, you guys know how I stand when it comes to anything that has to do with domestic violence or child abuse or anything like that. I had a cousin that struggle with domestic violence with her and her husband for years she is no longer with us due to that her husband did murder her in their home over an argument with both of their grandchildren four of their grandchildren in the room underage children while her four children slept in the home they've never found that piece of garbage till this day he is still on the loose and it's been over four years but i hate and let me say it again. I hate domestic violence and anyone involved with it. If you ever get charged or allegedly charged, especially if you're an NFL player, NBA player, whatever you may be, I, I, I totally, totally agree with people having second chances, but not for this. You are a man. A man should never, ever put his hands on a female, period. I don't care if you're drunk. 
I don't care if you're high. I don't care if there's an excuse. There are no excuses. At that point in time, you know that there is a female in front of you. And not only that, for there to be audio that you're stating clearly, you should fear me. No woman should have to fear. Kid, Jose. No woman and no child kid. should have to fear any man. I don't care who you are. My wife should not have to fear me. If it ever gets to that point, then I have a problem. We have a problem. So I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this one time, and hopefully it, it gets thrown out there, and hopefully Roger Goodell hears it or somebody. But if you ever get charged or allegedly get charged with any type of domestic violence, and there's proof of it out there, you should be completely kicked out of any league that you are. You know the type of persona you are. You know how hard you play to get there. And you know that you are a role model and you are put on a different pedestal. With that being said, there are no excuses. You do domestic violence, your life and your career are over. I'm sorry. I am not sorry to say that. And that's how I feel. You do domestic violence, bye. Tyreek Hill should not ever be allowed on a football field, even in a flag football field at the park. He should be banned from everything forever. That's just how I feel about it, and that's how I feel about domestic violence. Well, Jose, for me, and this is a, a crazy statement, but the domestic violence actually is second here to hitting a three-year-old kid that way, breaking his arm. That I mean, listen, domestic violence, I could go on all day long about how much I hate that needs to be thrown out. But you broke your arm of a three-year-old. That can't fight and back then, or do anything to you. Can't even defend himself because he's way smaller than you, but you would put your hands on him. I get it. That is the worst thing, and that's the same thing as being domestic violence. You're hitting someone that you love, supposedly. You're hurting someone that you brought into this world. Why would you do that? Yes, I punish my kids. I give them a smack on the butt every now and then. It's normal. We all grew up that way. But I don't beat my kids up. I don't break their arms. I don't tell them, you better fear dad. That is just ridiculous, man. Well, here's, here's what I'm hoping out there. If anyone's listening, how about this? Goodell might not be listening, right? But how about hear one of our voices? Tyreek comes over the middle. How about, how about knocking his him out but breaking his arm oh it's a 15 yard penalty but Tyreek well he's got he's got blood bubbles coming out of his nose oh oh Too bad because hey, I have a three-year-old at home so I hope somebody out there some middle linebacker you know some somebody out there is will take this into their own hands you have to know that this guy is a bad dude if he's got a history of, of violence a history of domestic violence a history of of potential child abuse and i don't care that they couldn't couldn't charge him my opinion on him will always stay the way it is and i just hope that goodell for once i've disagreed with him in a lot of areas i hope that goodell for once takes a hard stand and shows us shows the football fan out there the guy that had to sit through you know the kneeling and the issues and off the field and the the ray rice and the show show us all that when you actually encounter something that should be suspended for, that you have the guts to actually do it. All right, Jose, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. We're going to talk a little Major League Baseball. We are one-third of the season in. One-third of the year has been completed. Let's talk about biggest surprises. Who do you think is going to have a good second and third half here? And who's just done? Sometimes you just do so much damage to yourself. 
early on, you can't recover. We'll talk about all that and more. Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com and Jose Vellante here on Heat Wave Sports. Look up Heatwave Sports on Facebook and on Twitter at HW Sports and at Tom Barton Sports. Hey everyone, this is Carrie Walsh Jennings, and you are listening to Heatwave Sports on Fox Sports Radio. Now back to Heatwave Sports. All right, guys, home stretch here. Heatwave Sports. Tom Barton from TomBartonSports.com. Guys, want to jump on board? Another winner today, red, red, red hot Major League Baseball, hitting just about 70% over the last 20 days here at TomBartonSports.com. You guys want to listen to any of the interviews that I make reference to? It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N. We officially are nationally syndicated as of the 17th. We already have the syndication rights. We just officially go on the air on the 17th, so you're going to be able to hear us all around the country. Stations are being added. Cities are being added. As we speak, it seems like every day I wake up, more, more cities are being jumped on, and it is a lot more legality than I ever believed it to be. I thought you, you uh, become a nationally syndicated host, and all of a sudden everything just kind of opens up. No, it's been a, a grueling process here at sportsgarden.com, but it'll all be worth it. We go to a four-hour show from our one-hour show, so you guys can listen to that. Tim will be back tomorrow here on Heatwave Sports, so we're going to be able to get his take. He was in Cooperstown, Baseball Hall of Fame. He was in Cooperstown last week. We've got to sit down and talk to him. It is one of the greatest cities in America. Not baseball, no, greatest cities in America. Absolutely awesome, and I, I can't wait to hear his take on that. I'm here with Jose Volante tonight. We've got about 25 minutes to go. We've talked about it all. We're still taking your calls, 876-1340. Still taking your tweets, Tom Barton Sports, at Tom Barton Sports over on Twitter. And we want to get into a little bit of baseball. We are now one-third into the season of Major League Baseball. And when you get into one-third of the season, and that's always generally Memorial Day, is the yard marker where you take an assessment of your team. It is no longer... Hey, it's early. Don't worry. Tell a Cleveland Indian fan that's its double-digit games back right now that it's early. Don't worry. No, they're not listening to that. It's early. Don't worry. What about specific players? If Cody Bellinger ended his season now, it's a solid season. Okay? There's no more fluke. There's no it's a hot start. There's none of that. These teams are becoming who we thought that they would be. I want to talk to Jose a little bit about who's his most surprising teams. Do they keep it up? The first one, listen, I just mentioned them. I want to talk about the Dodgers. Let's start it off with the Dodgers. They are on an absolutely unbelievable run. Their starting pitchers are now 22-2, and uh, a record with about a, about a two ERA over the past month and a half. They are absolutely playing on another level. They are doing this with Clayton Kershaw not pitching like the elite Clayton Kershaw. They are doing this with Kenley Jansen not pitching like the elite Kenley Jansen. They're doing this without A.J. Pollock, completely nothing that they've gotten from A.J. Pollock. They're doing this after trading away guys like Kemp and Yasiel Puig and Alex Wood. This is a new Dodgers team by a lot of 
a lot of metrics, but they are absolutely as good as I have seen in a long time. I can't really find a hole. They went out and they got Joe Kelly, and they wound up looking at his 70 RA and saying, okay, we're going to give it to Pedro Baez, who has done a great job. Floro looks good. Muncie looks okay. He's back to being a solid player. Justin Turner just continues to be in there. Look, they lost some guys. Grandal's gone. Kemp's gone. Greg is gone. They haven't lost a single inch. Just to give you an idea, the Colorado Rockies won eight games in a row over the last week and a half. They gained a half a game on the Dodgers. That is demoralizing. So I want to ask Jose about not only just the Dodgers team itself, but what about Cody Bellinger, a guy that's on pace for just about 60 home runs right now, 20 steals, 150 RBIs, 150 runs scored, batting for 70. I mean, if he continues this pace, it would be one of the most historic paces of all time. We all knew Cody Bellinger was somebody that had a massive amount of talent. One rookie of the year, we knew that. But I don't think anybody saw this coming. So, Jose, talk to me about the Dodgers. Can they keep it up? Can Cody Bellinger keep it up? Or are they going to kind of come back to the pack? I'll be honest with you, Tommy. I really like what I'm seeing from the Dodgers. Um, me being from L.A., I'm not a Dodger fan. I'm a Yankee fan, but I do root for the Dodgers just because, you know, they're the hometown team where I grew up at. But seeing the way they've been playing, the style of baseball that, are, that they are playing is great because a lot of people did wonder, why did you let go of Yasiel Puig? This guy is probably the future of your team. He was a head case. They got rid of him. They knew what he was. They knew what he wasn't. And it's paying dividends. Cody Bellinger is on fire right now. He is literally doing something that... It, no other Dodger has done in a long time. The pace that he's on, the home runs that he's hitting, it's just unbelievable. And it's not just him. The whole team around him is playing really, really good. They have an overall chemistry that no other team in the league has right now. Not only that, they've only allowed 240 runs, which is the second fewest in all of Major League Baseball. Just like you said, they're pitching. Their pitching is just lights out right now. But my biggest thing is, and it will always be, is it's still the regular season, Tommy. What are we really going to do when it gets time, crunch time, when you get to the postseason, when you get to the World Series, if you get back there? So I like what the Dodgers are doing. It's, I think it's really good for baseball to see L.A. consistently back on the map there and leading the NL West. But it's still yet to be seen what they're going to do in the playoffs when it really does matter. Now, the surprise team in the NL West, in my opinion, is Colorado with what they have been doing. But like you said, the Dodgers are being so dominant right now that you go on an eight-game winning streak or whatever it may be, you're not going to make a dent whatsoever. Now, the biggest overrated team in this division, in my opinion, was the San Diego Padres with the money they spent bringing in Manny Machado. I get it. Tatis has been hurt. He hasn't been healthy all season. But... Surprise team in the West, Colorado, not shocked with what the Dodgers are doing. Most overrated and underrated, or team that's not doing well, San Diego Padres, in my opinion. Yeah, Padres are, are, are doing sort of what I thought was a battling for 500. You know, I, I mean, I never expected more than that. I thought Machado's numbers would go down just for virtue of moving to the National League, moving to that division with those ballparks and moving to San Diego. Um, I like I like their future, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, people went crazy about San Diego, and I, I, I don't know why. You know, we knew what this was going to be. I, I think most of us did. Let's go to the Central. Uh, St. Louis is right there. The Brewers are right there. Pittsburgh is surprisingly right there. Cincinnati, last place team, is only about five and a half or six games back. They are right there. But I think the Cubs went out there and said, not only are we taking this division, but we should be favored in the National League. 
move that they made this week I thought was the move that they needed to make. You know, you usually talk about a championship squad during the season and you say they're one player away. Not only did I think the Cubs were one player away, I think they were exactly the player away that they got, and that is Craig Kimbrell. This, to me, was a fantastic move. Absolutely exactly what this team needs. Brilliant move. Breathes life back into the Cubs, and as big as the Dodgers are and as good as they are, all of a sudden, to me, they have competition. I'm not talking about just the Central. I'm talking about for a World Series because Craig Kimbrell pushes the Cubs to another level. I kind of disagree with you here. I was actually thinking about that earlier today when I did hear the signing now. Yes, he is the type of player that the Chicago Cubs have to go after. You and I talked about this the last time I was on the show. Kimbrough hasn't been signed yet. Neither was Keiko. That has changed. They're both signed now. But here's the thing. They've been away from the game for a little bit. Not a long time, but they haven't been with a team. They haven't been practicing the way they can be. Who knows what his conditioning is going to be? Who knows if he's going to be able to come in there and just be lights out like he has been? I'm not saying he's not going to be, Tommy, but I think we're jumping the gun a bit too soon here saying that this team just basically got put over the top with the signing of Kimbrough. Until I see him back on the field and see what he can do for this team, I'm not going to say that just yet, Tom. Wow, really? See, now, I worry about Keiko, and we could transition into that real quick. I worry about Keiko, but I don't worry about Kimbrell only because, well, I mean, you think about it, Dallas Keiko, you know, is, is a player that you look at and you go, well, he's probably missed 10-12 starts already. But Craig Kimbrell missed a month, you know, that happens. I don't think that as, as a reliever he's going to have as much lag time. Let's talk about Dallas Keuchel, though. I, don't, I didn't see the Braves as being the fit. I actually thought that they needed Kimbrell more than the Cubs did. I agree. I didn't like their back end of the bullpen. I know they have a lot of young arms. I don't love the, the signing of Keuchel to go to Atlanta. To me, they have arms. They needed something else, and something else was a little bullpen help. I don't love the fit in Atlanta. I think he does okay because he's Kimbrell. Um, I think he, he gives you a little veteran presence. He does other things, but I don't love that fit. So let me ask you a question real quick. I want to get back to the NL Central because we did jump into that first. What about the Milwaukee Braves? Everybody's on the Chicago Cubs because of that signing. You got the Milwaukee Braves with Davies right now. This kid, seven wins in his first seven decisions this season, and then Mike Moustakas has 19 home runs. Overall, this team can come back and win this division. Do you honestly think that Craig Kimbrell is going to be the main one that's going to put the Cubs over the top and there's no way that any team behind them can catch him? Yes. And the reason why was because you just mentioned Zach Davies is their ace. I don't believe in it. You know, um, yes, he's 7-1. He's pitching on, on just a ridiculous level right now. I can't take anything away from him. But I could sit here and tell you I don't believe it lasts. I don't believe that Zach Davies can pitch to that level. I don't believe that Jimmy Nelson comes back and he's just well, seamlessly back to being a solid pitcher. I don't believe Sashin should be in a, in a rotation for a championship team. I think they're going to get into the same problem that they had last year, which is when you get to the playoffs or you get deep into late August and September, you need starting pitching. They don't have it. And not only do they not have that, their bullpen is weakened this year because of injuries. So I think Milwaukee... Went out, they got Mustakas. He's such a great, great signing. They went out, they got the Mustakas as a signing. Travis Shaw has been a complete bust, so they need Mustakas even more. Yelich is doing things that we'd all be talking about if it wasn't for Cody Bellinger. But I worry. 
I worry, Jose. I don't think that they have. To me, you have to have an ace, and they don't have one. If they want to make a, a, a move to really impress me and to get me to talk about them for a World Series bid, they got to do what I've been talking about for two years, and that is go get yourself a number one starter. Baumgartner's out there. Scherzer could be available. I don't think that Milwaukee does it, though. I think that they are perfectly content with being in the wild card hunt, maybe winning a wild card, and then going home in the first round. So what do you think about the NL East, Tommy? What are your thoughts on the NL East? My surprise player so far has been Jay Bruce since the Philadelphia Phillies signed him. With McCutcheon going down and you get a player like Bruce and he's coming hot, can he maintain this hot streak and keep it going? with the Philadelphia Phillies, or do you just see this as, hey, he just got traded, he's hot now, so it's just a little warm streak that he's going through? Yeah, well, his warm streaks are scorching hot, and his cold streaks are absolutely ice cold. He is one of the streakiest players in the history of baseball. I mean, he really is. If you look at his splits and his numbers, um, he can maintain this for a little while, but he will go cold, and when he goes cold, he's going to go absolutely ice cold. Uh, Philadelphia is a team I picked to go to the World Series. And I am very, very sour on them right now. Not because Bryce Harper's batting 250, which I, I told everybody he's probably. That's no shocker there. To do that to, yeah, rest of his career, this is who he is. He's, he's not even an all star caliber player to me. Um, the problem that I have is that Aaron Nola needs to be the ace, and he looks terrible right now. You know, I could live with Arietta not pitching to his performance and Arietta being basically a three. But you need Aaron Nola to be a number one. You talk about Philly. You want to talk about Harper and Bruce and Liam Muto and all the offense that they can bring to the table. Yeah, that's great. But they don't have a middle relief, and they don't have starting pitching. That's another team that has to go get themselves a starting And I'm not that hot on Atlanta. It's not like I, I think Atlanta is that great. But we're looking at the bigger, better picture here. And in the National League, it is the Dodgers and everyone else. And I believe that the Cubs just took a step up to be number two. You're talking about Philly, Milwaukee, Atlanta. They're in that, that argument for a number three. It's not an argument where you want to be if you have hopes to be a championship team. You don't want to be in that argument of maybe we're the third best team in the National League. Here's something I've been wanting to ask you, too. Miami's got 23, rent, 23 wins. Did you honestly believe that Miami would have that many wins by now? I mean, the team that they have on the field is a lot of no-name players. Do you honestly believe that they can make any type of noise? I mean, they're, what, 14 games out of it, 13 games out of it. Do you think that Miami can find a way to spark something and have a miracle run with this, I don't even know how to put it, with this team that they have on the field there, Tommy? Well, yes and no. Here's, here's what I, how I'll answer that. I took Miami, and I gave it out to every Tom Barton Sports.com member on the over for wins this year. I didn't think they were going to be that bad, but I never expected them to have 23 wins at this point. I mean, they're on pace to, to win 74 games or 73 games. I had them winning into the mid-60s. Maybe, maybe they get to 70 in a good year. You have to remember, though, as much as they have been ridiculed, for getting rid of top talent, Yelich and Realmuto and all these players that they would have had, they didn't get top talent back, but they got some good players. Caleb Smith is a legitimate arm. Pablo Lopez is actually pretty good. You look around the field, they might not be household names, but they're good players. Starlin Castro is still a good player. Garrett Cooper is still a good player. And I look at their farm system, 
again, they didn't build it the way that I wished that they did, but their players are pretty decent. They didn't get enough for the players that they traded, but they still have some talent. They're also playing in a division where Philly has problems, Atlanta has problems, the Mets clearly have problems, Washington is a shell of itself. So do I think that the Marlins can win 70 games? That would have been unthinkable a couple of months ago. I think they got an outside shot. I like what they're doing in Miami. They're doing it a lot slower, and they're doing it a completely different way than I would have done it. But I kind of like what they're doing in Miami. All right, so what do you want to move on to now? Let's move on to the AL. Well, I, we're not going to have time for the AL. We're going to have to touch on that tomorrow. The last team I just want to touch on, because we have about five minutes to go. last team I want to touch on are the Washington Nationals, who we just mentioned. These, this is a team I thought was just too good to kind of fail. Now, all of a sudden, they're failing. And I'm telling you guys now, Max Scherzer is going to become available. I don't know if he gets traded, but you said you're a Yankee fan. Right, and I'm a Yankee fan. All of New York seemingly wants Bumgarner. All everyone I talk to wants Bumgarner. No. Give up everyone for Bumgarner. I'm taking Scherzer. If I have my choice between Bumgarner and Scherzer, and I know the postseason, I don't care. If I have my choice between Madison Bumgarner and Max Scherzer, Jose, I'm taking Scherzer all day long, and I don't even care about that contract. Oh, no, nah, I don't hesitate to pull the trigger on that either. Right now, with what the Yankees are doing, especially after how injury-riddled they've been, why wouldn't you trade for a guy like that? You're still one of the best teams in baseball, but yet you can go out and make a move like that. I would take Scherzer in a heartbeat. Bumgarner is a bum, in my opinion. But, yes, Washington is a complete dumpster fire, which is a phrase that you and I both like to use here. But Washington has not been living up to their expectations. A lot of people said that they should still be good, even though Bryce Harper left. Obviously, that's not the case, but yes, I agree with you. Take Scherzer in a heartbeat. Give up whatever you have to give up to get him now. Yeah, I think the fire sale is going to start in Washington. It's going to be interesting. They're going to be the the team to watch because they have a lot of key components there. They may not sign Rendon. Uh, They are in a position where Doolittle might be gone. They have a lot of middle relievers that could go. Uh, They are a team that has a lot that a team could poach off of, including Max Scherzer. So we'll keep an eye on that. Jose? It's about the end of the show, man. It's been a good two hours. Uh, tell them about everything that you're up to. Tell the listeners about it, Jose. Thank you, man. I appreciate you for having me on again, as always. If you guys want to check me out, at Jose Sun Death is where you can check everything out with Sun Death Sports. Not only that, every single Sunday morning, 8 to 9 a.m., same station right here, Fox Sports Radio, 1340 a.m., 98.9 FM. I am live with Brian Fellman on Out of Line. You guys can always check me out there. Thank you for having me on, Tommy. This was fun, man. I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, we'll definitely do it again. Guys, that's going to do it for us tomorrow. Myself, Tim Unglesby, will be back. 876-1340. Get those phone numbers. Get the calls in tomorrow night. We've got to talk to Tim. we got a three-hour show tomorrow. Enjoy your Stanley Cup finals. TomBartonSports.com. And you guys can go check out SportsGarden.com. Have a very good Sunday, everybody. Have a good, very good Sunday afternoon, everybody. We'll talk to you Sunday night. Have a good one.